0: Hey everyone, it's Brian with 12 Pack Radio and a bonus episode, a bonus episode for you. A little Friday rundown of some of the items that I'm going to be keeping an eye on as I watch all of these Pac-12 teams play their week two slate and uh, this show. And just kind of our expanded offering of shows is made possible by Nextiva, the official partner and communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone services chosen by U.S. News and World Report. They've just been really great for us and um, and have just allowed us to bring on new voices and expand our reach and obviously have expanded the reach of the Pac-12 with their partnership there. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and all for the fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Visit Nextiva com forward slash 12-pack to get started. So our thanks to them for launching this show. So let's get into it. Uh, well, the first thing that I want to do... Oh, you know, one thing I should mention too is we received a number of questions from our listeners when we asked for them and then forgot to answer them on the flagship show. So um, I'll go ahead and run down those and try to answer them to the best of my ability. But let's start when I'm uh, looking at some of these teams with Colorado and that Stanford game. I was legit impressed with Stanford. Uh, well... Let me back up. Um, I was pretty impressed with that offensive line compared to the expectations that I had for them. I think uh, when when they were lining up against Oregon, Oregon's front seven is quite good. And the push that I saw from the Stanford offensive line kind of made me take a step back and think, okay, now I don't want to overreact to one game. You know, obviously COVID's happening and all this practice stuff. But still, to be able to get a push on that front seven, which is probably the best front seven in the Pac-12, I was just really impressed by Colorado and their ability to do that. And I think the matchup between them and Colorado's front seven, which is also not bad. They actually have some interesting pieces on there. I just think it's going to be fascinating. So if you're a Stanford fan and you're listening to this show and you're watching, keep a look and see if you're going to be able to keep getting uh, yards on the ground. Because holy Moses, I think you'll probably get, be able to get them through the air, particularly if Davis Mills is the quarterback there. Uh, but really, I think if if Stanford is able to get that rushing attack uh, set two games in a row, you have some really interesting things to look forward to, not just in this shortened season. Season, but in the future, because there are some definitely are some good pieces on that uh, offensive line. If they're able to get their act together, that could be there for a couple of years. Flipping over to Colorado, oh man, that's secondary. I mean. <laughs> like UCLA, what they were able to do and getting that ball through the air. It makes me a little bit worried about Colorado. Now, big win, obviously, over UCLA, and, and you got to win whatever you got to win. So take the turnovers, take the points, and be able to get away with a, a W. But I'm, I'm really worried about whether or not they're going to be able to stop Davis Mills. Some of those wide receivers for Col- uh, for Stanford are quite good. Simi Fuhoko, um, even though he was locked down really by Oregon, was still able to get 88 yards and some big plays. If you take a look at his stats over the course of the last 2 years and and you know last year and then just this game just big chunk plays 22 25 like so keep an eye on whether or not he's going to break open and get his because I do think that Stanford should be able to throw the ball against your secondary if they don't man that's amazing for for Colorado and something really encouraging moving forward On the offensive side for Colorado, I I mean, I'm not sold on Neuer yet in that offense. Let's see. Let's see whether or not they can uh, put more points up against a defense that that clearly is going to be better than UCLA and Stanford's defense. Uh, But it's almost like a Coors Light or a Miller Light. I think it's Stanford Light right now, (laughs) that that defense, until they prove otherwise. Um, I I just, I'm not quite sold on that Stanford defense, but I know that that personnel is going to be better coached and they just recruited better than they have at UCLA. So if you're Colorado and you're able to keep this game within the seven point spread even if you lose and and maybe colorado wins who knows i i actually am probably gonna put money on stanford if mills is the quarterback but if colorado keeps it close man that's really encouraging you walk away with a win uh, against ucla and you keep a game close against what should probably be a three and three team in the pac-12 north and stanford and uh and the north is just a better conference than the south or division than the south right now so uh, something to, to keep an eye on let's move over to oregon state and washington and uh, it, it, we had Day on to talk about Oregon State, and one of the things that he mentioned was the lack of, of a nose tack, like a really big body that was uh, that was you know not only had the mass but the ability and the athleticism to really cause problems up front and how that was going to be a real problem for Oregon State and if you go back and you watch the Oregon State game they had two dudes with their hands in the dirt and like you know seven linebackers basically I mean it wasn't that bad but really they were doing like a four like a, a two five four two four five uh type of defense and and like I just took a look at that and went oh no like that might not be the best type of thing to do I mean like it's one thing for Washington to do to do that but for Oregon state to do that i just don't know if they have really the personnel and the bodies to be able to to keep space like to be those space eaters and just to really be able to occupy uh the the opposing defensive line so if you're oregon state I think um, I think just keeping an eye on whether or not they're going to keep doing that like they did because well, Washington State ran all over Oregon State and, and were able to to get the yards on the ground not just through Jaden Delora but also McIntosh and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see obviously with a likely a more talented offensive line although it's young in Washington uh, certainly better running backs and, and we'll see if they'll be able to get their yards on the ground one of the things that was interesting I was listening to uh, the DAMN podcast which is Angie Machado and uh, I forget the new person that's over there but interesting podcasts. and they. they They just were not enthusiastic about Oregon State at all. And it seems like the coaching staff may or may not have kind of fed them information that wasn't a reality, Uh, at least in the first game, maybe Oregon State gets their act together. But uh, I'm just curious to see if that's the case. Oregon State could be really bad this year. Um, Now, this could be an overreaction, but um, that may, you know, maybe we should overreact in the the first week. So uh, keep an eye on if Oregon State can, you know, lift their ability to play. And I know that this is UW's first game and Oregon State's going to have a week to get their, you know, to kind of figure out their adjustments and all that stuff. But I still kind of like Washington here. We'll, we'll see. Uh, flipping over to the Washington side, I, 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 they should be able to light up. Oregon State secondary if they have a good quarterback. I mean, I think that's really the key. Obviously, the wide receivers, I think, are young and promising and athletic. And I just really like the fact that they were able to kind of push their way into the roster uh, as as the season went on in 2019. Can they... Get a quarterback that can throw that ball because Oregon, second, Oregon State's secondary is likely very, very bad. So if you're not putting up points through the air, Washington fans, I think that's a big red flag, um, although I would anticipate that they're able to do that. It's also possible that you know Jimmy Lake just goes turtle and, and just rushes the ball over and over and over again against the, the two-person front there uh, for Oregon State. Kind of an interesting uh, thing to keep a lookout for. And then, you know, with this new offensive line, are they be, are they going to be able to get a push against, um, which should be a decent, you know, like, again, we thought that this might be a, an interesting pass rush. Um, but anyway, like things are kind of all up in arms right now. As I was rewatching that Oregon State game, I think is interesting. So let's see if the Washington offensive line can get that push and make sure that they're, they're getting their yards on the ground as well. Um, I would assume that this game is not going to be close, but it is COVID. It is the first game for Washington. They have a new offensive coordinator. They have a new quarterback. So there are a lot of ifs. In, in that you know that area but uh let's see let's go over to Oregon I think this line is really low and I know it's cold I know Oregon doesn't play well in the Palouse um uh, but Oregon should have its way with Washington State I think that this line might be a bit of an overreaction to what Washington State was able to do against what may be a really bad Oregon State team and also just based on history rather than you know the the, the uh, talent on the field um I'm going to look to see if Oregon can road grade. Can they push Washington state's defensive line around? And I know that uh, in the advanced stats, and this was something that I always argued with Rob about, I actually thought Washington state's defense in the beginning of the year was a little bit better than the numbers said. And Rob kept pushing back and he was right But that defensive front, like the defensive front seven, like aren't terrible. And they, from an advanced stats perspective had a better, um, a better uh, number at the end of the year than the secondary. Um, I I, flipping over to the offensive side, I thought shuck, really was able just to, to chuck that ball down the field and was able, like and Willing and able and the offensive coordinator, Moorhead, was able to um, put him in a position to just throw it down, see what happens against a secondary that's going to be significantly better, I think, than Washington State, although we will see. I thought Stanford's secondary has Dwayne Aquino as their coach. They weren't great against the a pass last year, but I, I just, I think that they're, they're going to take a step forward compared to Washington State this year. So let's just to see if a Shuck keeps throwing the ball down the field against Washington State. Flipping over to the Cougs, man, great win last week, guys. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, like again, it was Oregon State, but um, I thought Jaden Delora. Now, if you take a look at his accuracy numbers, I think he was at about 55%, and I watched that game, and um, uh, I, I know he was off a little bit, and there's some passes that, that were errant, but, but uh, man, he threw some times also, and was able to get it done on the ground. So, um, is he going to be able to do that against Oregon's front seven? No, I, I don't think so. I thought Oregon's front seven didn't have a, the great start to their game against Stanford, but they were able... To start, you know, I, in fact, I thought the secondary really carried Oregon in the first half of that game. Um, but then, you know, the, the team kind of warmed up, I think, and was able just to really uh, in, enforce their will. So, you know, if McIntosh can get 100 yards or Borgie, if he's in, I don't know if what the COVID protocol is or when he got COVID or if he did have COVID, if he's just isolated, who knows. Um, but if they're able to put up, you know, if there's a player that can get 100 yards against this front seven, kudos to you guys. I mean, like, and just keep, keep that process going. Um, because it's going to have to be on the ground. I think Oregon's secondary is excellent. Uh, we they were excellent last year. I know they're missing some pieces, but they certainly have recruited at a very high level. They have extreme depth. I don't think Delora's is going to going to really throw more than what like two touchdowns max against the the secondary. Maybe he does if he does, man, count your blessings. That's awesome. Um, and, and you know, up, you know, up him on the level of quarterbacks in the Pac-12 as a true freshman. But I'm just not confident that he's going to be able to get it done through the air. So um, just really keep a look on uh on the ground to see if uh you know washington state's gonna be able to score some points there i know i know it's the run and shoot obviously they're gonna try to throw the ball but who knows you know like i, I just think that secondary is pretty darn good so i'm uh, moving on let's go to utah i mean is kyle whittingham gonna have to to lace him up here <laughs> I'm just listening to uh, and reading some of these reports and it just seems like that defense might be decimated but maybe it's not I don't know maybe this is a little bit of smoke and mirrors uh, try to throw UCLA off their game so I can't really speak too much to the defense a because we don't know who's playing and b because we don't know who's playing <laughs> like on the on the uh, on the depth chart like even if there wasn't COVID, this is a whole new secondary and they're gonna have to plug some holes up in the middle although they're pretty good at that. so let's flip over to the defense here can the quarterback whoever it is, Put up yards against UCLA's defense. That's what I'm looking for. And if you don't, that's a problem. Like, that's a big, giant red flag. Um, I think that they'll be able to, and just because I think the tight end play there is quite good, and I I think it's Brian Thompson who's the wide receiver that I really like. I know everybody keeps talking about Solomon Ennis and and all that stuff, I love Thompson. I thought he was really, really fun. So I'm just going to, from an interesting, uh, you know, a personal standpoint, Mm -hmm. just to see if Thompson's going to be able to get some yards like he did. Um, He seemed like kind of a big play threat outside of the tight end that Utah's been kind of craving um, Shoot, since like since we started this podcast. So uh, keeping a look at that on the ground, how good is Brumfield, Wilmore and company? Can they, um, can they get yards on the ground? They should be able to UCLA was actually pretty good about uh, on run defense last year, particularly up the middle. Uh, And that did not happen against Colorado. They gave up a lot of yards. Um, I would assume that they get a little bit better. So again, if, if Utah's not able to score points, um, man, that, that, that makes me a little bit, a little bit nervous moving forward. All right, before we get to UCLA, let's talk about my bookie, Late Fall College Ball. College basketball's in the air. It is the year of our Lord 2020, and why are you not on my bookie, a longtime sponsor of the 12 Pack Radio podcast? Uh, get your sports book fix on. Get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boosts, lightning deals, free bets all await all season long. And with Turkey Day right around the corner, there's no better time to feast on some NFL action. Whether you're a first time customer or have been on my bookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found on thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests for every Every week sign up or get reloaded today to find an edge and make your bet. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform giving you access to that that sleazy crap table, you know, slot machines, card games, you you name it, they got it. Make the right play to sign up today at MyBookie. When you do, use the promo code OVERTIME O V E R T I M E overtime to get your deposit matched halfway. All the way up to $1,000. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match and give you $100 in your account to gamble with. And you are already planning a bet for the season. Get some free money on your sleazy picks. It's a winning season at my bookie, so come and join the fun and some cash while you're at it. One more break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Let's talk UCLA. You know, if, if there's one year to get Utah... <laughs> If you're the Bruins, it's now, right? You got COVID. You got, um, you know, maybe maybe a lot of walk-ons playing linebacker uh, at uh, in Salt Lake City. Um, who knows what the Utes are going to bring to this game? And it's the beginning of the year. They're trying to get their act together. They don't have their secondary. I mean, they, their secondary, basically the entire unit left. So I mean, if UCLA can't beat a Colorado team and a UC and a Utah team trying to figure themselves out early in the year man when is chip going to get it together i mean like we've been kind of down on, on what he's done with that program the last couple of years but this is kind of a show me moment and um and we'll see if the bruins are up to the task like we mentioned on our flagship show you know max said there is a chance where ucla gets their act together and wins this game i mean for the reasons i just said that utah really is is not sure what it is there's some depth issues uh, when it comes to COVID, likely um so i mean that's interesting i'm gonna look at DTR. Is there any progress with him? I I didn't. I mean, obviously if you look at the numbers and you stat count last, uh, you know, this past week, he, he looked productive, but he had the fumble. Um, he had the interception. I, I just think, I mean, I think he is what he is at this point. And again, it's really hard to play quarterback. It's extremely hard to play quarterback in a power conference. So DTR is significantly better than any of us are likely w- would ever be playing quarterback. With that said, like, I don't I don't know if he's going to get UCLA to the next level. I just you know, but I'm going to keep a lookout for him in this uh, in this game. Is UCLA going to run him? You know, like uh, if he's going to scramble out a little bit more, it seems like Chip Kelly's been pretty stubborn at not doing that. But maybe he kind of unleashes the reins and and sees what what DTR can do on that front. And then, of course, like against uh, Utah Secondary. Can DTR get the ball uh, through the air? Uh, I think there's going to be probably some some issues with Utah to start the game, and you know, we'll see if they can take advantage. So I want to see if he can throw. I want to see if he, they're going to be able to use him on the ground because really he's the key to that offense, and he just hasn't been able to, to get that team over the top. Let's go to UCLA and USC. Um, Trojans, can you run the football? <laughs> like, I don't know. It seems like it has been a challenge. And uh, one of the things that Rob always points out and I think it's 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 a good point is that it's even though USC's numbers on the ground um aren't great, people assume that they're not trying to run the ball cuz it's an air raid. Like they're running the ball often, they're just not good at it. And you have a, a you know, like a, a rebuilt or I I wouldn't say even real rebuilt, a patched together arizona front with like you know grad transfers from new mexico state new mexico and then like they're probably gonna have some walk-ons in the secondary there so like if usc can't run the ball against arizona it could be a long year and which is a bummer because we were really excited about them to to come into the year because they can throw the ball through the air i'll get to that in a second uh the other thing is can they stop the run that's been a problem too it's like the kind of dirty secret last year was you can run against this uh usc defense as much as announcers were talking about that defensive line i think you really could um arizona has an a, uh, how would I put it? Like an experienced offensive line. I don't think they're great, but they're, they're fine. There's been some cohesion there. We'll see if they're able to get that ball going. Uh, the one thing is they don't have JJ Taylor and JJ Taylor is quite good. And, and, uh, I, you know, Gary Brightwell certainly had some numbers as a backup, but he strikes me as that backup that, you know, it's good when he's not the guy but we'll see. Maybe he's going to be able to carry the load. The Arizona also has some interesting running backs behind him. So there's some depth there. It's just whether or not they could be J.J. Taylor. I'm uncertain if that's the case. So um, if USC can stop the run there, I, I think they win. I mean, the only reason the Trojans don't blow Arizona out, I think, is um, if if, uh, <laughs> if if the running game on offensive defense is a problem. Because they should be able to put up a ton of points against Arizona's secondary. And if you're Arizona, this is a tough game. Uh, the USC receiving core is just it's it's good and Arizona was just awful is there anything a better word but they're just awful defending against the pass last year and uh, yeah I know Paul Rhodes is there I know like there's the new defensive coordinator uh, they have some interesting pieces at the cornerback position um but USC should just be able to light up Arizona. So if Arizona is able to play well on defense in the secondary, this will likely be the best pass attack that they'll face all year. Um, so if they don't give up a ton of points, kudos to them. And it'd be really exciting if I were an Arizona fan, even even if they you know lose by 14, but it's all on the ground, like huzzah, <laughs> you know, like congratulations. Um, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the baby steps right now in Tucson uh, to see an improvement in that program because frankly, I think Kevin Sumlin's going to be around for a little while longer. Um, Let's go to Cal ASU. Is this game happening? I, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, if it does, if it does, I'm really interested to see because I, I thought we were robbed from seeing the Washington Cal game last week. That was the most interesting matchup on my slate, just because I think Cal could be good. The question is, how good? And I know we've received some pushback from Cal fans on, on whether or not they're going to be good. I'm just really, I want to see the defense. I, I didn't think the defense was really all that great last year, and I think they're going to take another step back, while the offense, I think, will be able to to move the ball. But I, I, I wanted to take the under in this game, and the under ended up being like 48 or something stupid. Maybe it was 42. It was like a really low under, man. Vegas is really good. They know their stuff. I think the one thing that um, the the reason I think I I wanted to take the ender in ASU is because a Herm isn't going to play super loosey goosey, particularly with a new offensive system. And um, if you could do one thing against Cal last year, you could run the ball. And I thought that, um, you know, going back to what I was saying about USC, I thought ASU was able to run the ball against USC, They, you know, and I think they'll be able to do that against Cal if this game actually happens. Uh, On the flip side, I want to see Musgraves offense with Garbers, you know, like, are are they going to throw out those tight ends? Is he going to be able to, to, is ASU going to be able to stop the big tight ends? I think that's something that's always an interesting mismatch if you can get them in uh, college football. It's these like you know, although Merlin Robinson doesn't fit this bill, that's for certain, but you know, like the five ten linebacker that's like running after the 250 pound uh, tight end. I always find that very humorous. I'm curious to see if they were able to do that. Um, on, on the other end too, like I thought ASU's, uh, defensive plan was really, really good. And I was curious to see how they were going to game plan around Musgrave when they, you know, I'm sure that there was some NFL tape and all that stuff, but like, it's kind of hard to do that you know, when you don't see uh, a new defensive coordinator in the scheme and all that stuff. So it was really fascinating to see that matchup. Hopefully this game happens uh, because I'm really, really um, excited. I think these are two up and coming teams in the Pac-12 and just for them to go head to head. um, And if you're ASU, boy, howdy, that's a pretty rough one, two punch, right? you know, to start off the the season. So don't be disheartened uh, with that loss against USC. And even if they lost against Cal, I think things are going to get better in the conference. All right, let's get to user, uh, user, listener questions here real fast. Um, you know, the first question, we got a couple of them. It was about the Pac-12's handling of COVID and Larry Scott. <clears throat> and one of the things on, on this show that we've really tried to avoid is being the show that just constantly harps on Larry Scott. And I, and I know that there there is a demand for that out there, and I get it. Like, we, I mean, we've been like our criticisms of like, not we're like, we're afraid to, um, we've, we talked about it ad nauseum. Um, and that's kind of why I haven't really harped on it as much. We've really tried to keep the show more to an X's and O's and like, just get into the games and all that stuff. Uh, even during COVID, uh, well, you know, with that said though, we, we did give the conference a lot of credit for the way that they handled the communication of COVID. And now we're starting to see the problems, right? But it's not just, it's not just the PAC 12. It's everywhere. Um, I think there was like four uh, sec games that were canceled this week, or maybe it was four teams, but like just all over the place, you're just seeing these games just drop like flies, which is just, just a bummer. I mean, we were so excited for the season. I'm glad that some of these games are happening. I hope that they're happening in a safe atmosphere, watching Notre Dame rush the field. (laughs) That was was dying. Like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) get back in the stands. Um, So with all that said, um, contingency plans. Yeah. That, that probably would have been a good idea. Like I don't know, I mean, I'm just one man, <laughs> one opinion. That that was definitely a problem. We'll see though. I mean, you know, I think I think if one thing. uh nationwide not just related to college football is that that i think people have been really resilient and creative so it'll be interesting to see if the pac-12 uh, maybe stretches things a little bit more i know they were talking about those um those one-on-one matchups the week seven where it was like the you know the first and second team and the the two last teams and all that stuff uh i you know i'm, I'm hearing that or i, I read a couple of things that they might use that week to make up some games um I don't know why they couldn't push it back a little bit more. I guess the bowls would be, um, be an issue. I guess we could take a look at that and see what happens, but yeah. Um, it, you know, it was a really tight schedule and to try to fit in all these games where like clearly there was probably going to be issues. Um, here we are. So, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, we just didn't want to harp on it too much, but I'm, um, you know, I'm glad you brought up the, the issue and, um, that's kind of where we're at. Um, another question I had was from Buffalo Matt, who's been a long time, uh, listener to the show and thanks, uh, Buffalo Matt it says, what do the numbers on beta rank show for the bus versus the Cardinal? I think how efficient the CU uh, offense looked, uh, it could be a runaway for the bus. I, I strongly, strongly disagree. Um, I, I think Stanford should win this game pretty handily. Um, now I could be wrong and I, you know, I've been wrong a lot, <laughs> although not too much last year. Um, here's the here's the issue i just think ucla stinks and uh and one of the things that rob always talks about constantly is that um you know your opponents matter and um and again if you're colorado take that win i thought there were some some highlights there i am really curious to see how they perform against a better colorado defense uh or, i'm sorry stanford defense um and uh, and whether or not that secondary is going to be able to stop anything, particularly if it's Mills. So if it's West, I think it'd be a, actually could be a close game. Uh, but if Mill, if it's Mills, I think I think Stanford wins by fourteen. Taking a look at Beta Rank though, Beta Rank disagrees. They have the spread uh, Buffalo Matt, at about six. It's five point seven eight with a seventy percent win probability. Let me just go through these numbers real fast. Uh, Stanford's ranked fifty three. Colorado's ranked seventy two. Just trying to look at some of the matchups here. I I think that, you know, and again, the other thing with beta rank is all the preseason data is kind of, you know like this is all based on last year and projections so like it's really you know in one game so it's really really hard to kind of sort through the the data as we go through but with that said i mean like we do have the the data here i think a couple mismatches here that are interesting the number that stood out was the uh, the <laughs> the explosive drives on offense for colorado at 34 and stanford at 122 so that goes back to um you know previous Um, The the previous year, but also like I thought I thought Oregon was able to uh, to chuck the ball a little bit against Stanford. Now, some of that was just Shuck had some pretty good passes. But if you take a look at that game, there's some excellent, excellent catches from Oregon. So um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't chalk all that up to. Um, to bad secondary play by Stanford. I thought some of those catches were like professional NFL type catches from a young and exciting Oregon wide receiving core. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, so if you wanted to go from like the defense and offense, so uh, Stanford's defense is ranked 62nd, Colorado's offense at 70. And then flipping back over to the other side here, Buffalo, Matt, if you'll permit me one more moment, Stanford's, uh, yeah, Stanford's offense is 38 and, uh, and, Colorado's defense is 65. So we'll see. Um, I, again, that, that's a game that I'll likely bet if it's, if it's Davis mills, if it's not, um, I'll probably stay away and just watch it out of pure curiosity. So that's it. Uh, you know, let me, let me know what you think. It's kind of interesting to put thoughts up and it's, it's hard to do a podcast by yourself. It's qu- quite interesting. So, um, yeah, send questions your, our, our way. Let me know what you think. If there's anything that, uh, that I was off on, uh, definitely, t- definitely let me know, but also, uh, be nice. You know, uh, you can follow us at 12 pack radio, uh, one, two PAC radio. Thanks again to next Steven, and my bookie for making this episode possible. And we will catch you on Monday.